I think satire and humor are worth defending. I think free speech is worth defending, and I think it's a tool that we need to use in the church. Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Humor is our tool. Humor is something that God created. The left just co-opted it for all the terrible comedies and stuff that you see and all the vulgar stuff coming out of Hollywood. It's ours, and we're going to reclaim it. And I think that's one of the, one of the missions of the Babylon Bee. The left wants to take down humor. The left demands that things that mock them and point out how ridiculous they are being get torn down. But we're just going to keep answering that with more and more humor. And I think it starts here. It starts in the church. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. You can watch and listen to a recording of Kyle Mann's presentation, Making the Case Against Cancel Culture, from this year's Making the Case Conference. For a donation of $300, you can download an audio and video recording. Learn more at issuesetc.org. The countries that protect religious freedom are those who provide the best treatment to minorities and the most vulnerable among us. God never says anything about you being happy. That's not the goal of life. And that's shocking, frankly, to a lot of people, even a lot of Christians. They're shocked to hear that God doesn't care if they're happy because they're convinced that's the whole goal of life, isn't it? The resurrection of Christ means that the roof has been blown off and the heavens are not made of brass. God became man. And this man brings not merely life over death, but he brings abundant life in the here and now. The gift of private confession and absolution, that is specifically there for those kind of moments where you are feeling the power of your sin and it's really bugging you. The youth of Holy Cross Lutheran Church, Carlisle, Iowa, love listening to Issues Etc. on their way to higher things. As horrible as these stories are, the stories of mass shootings, they so often fade from public consciousness rather quickly. And sad to say, the journalist industry doesn't do a very good job of following up and keeping them top of mind. It's especially true of the mass shooting at Covenant Presbyterian Church, the Covenant School there in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, There is a follow-up from the Associated Press. Nashville school shooters' writings ignite debate over releasing materials written by the mass killer. Of course, they're talking about that famous manifesto that no one except the police have seen. And how does the AP write an entire story about a transgender person shooting children and teachers with no personal pronouns? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. live on this Wednesday afternoon, July the 26th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry Mattingly joins us to talk about media coverage of a lawsuit calling for the release of Mass School Shooters Manifesto. We'll spend some time with him talking about that. It's listener email, the issues, etc. comment line. We'll be teaching a Sunday school lesson on the 12 spies going and returning in numbers 13 and 14 with Pastor Tom Baker of Law and Gospel. Then Dr. David Maxwell of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis joins us to discuss 5th Century Heresies, Nestorianism, and Eutychianism. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. So we still know very little except for the existence of the Nashville Manifesto, but recently the AP did a follow-up, and what did that story tell the nation as an update? Anything new? Well, it's important 
that the Associated Press did a story. And I think what pushed the button on that was simply the fact that it's very apparent that the status of the manifesto by the shooter, and I think at this point it's just conceded that the manifesto exists. In fact, there's there's some amazing information in the AP story that just lets you know just the scope of what we're arguing about here. Read a, a brief part of that AP story. The person who killed three nine-year-old children and three adults at a private Christian elementary school in Nashville on March 27 left behind at least 20 journals, a suicide note, and a memoir, according to church filings. And the next statement also is a ringing indication of why this is such a story. But there is no national standard governing if or how such writings are made public. And then, which means it's down to Tennessee law at this point. But I have, when you look at the complexity surrounding this case, which I think the Associated Press did a good job of describing in this story, you know what? I think this may be headed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, it's that big a deal, and there are so many issues related to it. What did the AP, if anything, reveal that the public has, doesn't already know? That's a, an interesting question. I don't know if there is anything new in this other than the status of what I would describe as the religious, political, and legal complications surrounding this. What I think makes the story important and why I think people who are interested in this tragic subject, why I think they should seek this out, is you get a real sense in this story of the contradictions that are built into this story in terms of what we would normally assume about who wants this information to be made public and who doesn't. And the minute you look at that, you can just see how confusing the situation is. Let me give you just a couple of those, how those things pair off. This is a case where the press, primarily represented by the Nashville Tennessean, which is a part of a national newspaper chain that I think everybody would agree is on the moral and cultural left. The Nashville Tennessean is seeking the release of the documents at the same time as Fox News and some of the individual commentators on Fox News and a host of other people representing the conservative side of American life and culture. I mean, so you get the press siding with the cultural right in opposition to the efforts of Democrats in Tennessee to not go after the release of these materials, which, if that isn't ironic enough, that puts the Democrats fighting on the side of Covenant Church and Covenant School which is asking for the materials not to be released, 
which puts the conservative church in school on the opposite side of the religious groups that are trying to get material with which to prove that this was some kind of hate crime. Did you follow through that? <laughs> Does that leave you asking any questions? Well, it's strange bedfellows, of course. Yeah, but strange bedfellows twice over. And this is where I think I'd really love to have an off-the-record conversation with some of the reporters covering this because my brain as a journalist just screams out some possibilities here. But we're left wrestling with a couple of key facts of things that we do know. You may recall that when the Nashville police, one of the first times they addressed the press and the public about this crime, I mean, right after the crime, the police chief, John Drake, said there is some belief that there was resentment at having to go to the school, but we don't have all the details yet. Now, having to go to the school could be resentment against parents sending Audrey slash Aiden Hale to there. The police also said that it was clear that the school was targeted. No question. This is not a random event. The school was targeted. But what they couldn't affirm was that individual people inside the school were targeted, which made it sound like they were investigating whether that was the case for some reason. That's what my journalist head tells me. So you have that as open facts, even though the police later subtly changed those remarks in ways that made it sound like, well, we really need to withhold these documents. In fact, Drake later told CNN, as of right now, we don't have any indication there were any problems at the school or at home. We can't confirm any type of problem at this time, which is like the exact opposite of his first statement. So both of those statements remain on the public record. Only one of them can be true. Which is accurate, and why was the other one made? The other thing that I think I want to remind our listeners of, because I think it's, it's important that these words are not being quoted in stories, including the Associated Press story. And that is the social media that the shooter, who died on the scene, of course, killed by police. The shooter apparently sent remarks, put remarks on social media, while sitting in the church parking lot, right before taking up his or her weaponry and heading inside. And the words that I'm still amazed, I've, I, I know I told our listeners this in a previous podcast on the topic, I still can't believe this quote is not in all of these stories. And this is a quote from Hale. My family doesn't know what I'm about to do. One day, this will make more sense. I've left more than enough evidence behind. But something bad is about to happen. 
I've left more than enough evidence behind to turning that section around. Enough evidence behind so that all of this will make sense. That's an actual, I don't think anybody's contesting that's a valid quote from the shooter on social media minutes before pulling the trigger. Why isn't that quote in all of the reports on this topic? As a journalist, you're looking for the strongest, clearest, frankly, shortest, punchiest quotes to sum up a situation. And if we're arguing about 20 journals, at least, remember the words, at least 20 journals, a suicide note and a memoir, and I don't know if more social media has been discovered. It seems like the press stopped looking for social media. Don't we want to know why the shooter said this act would make sense? Which gets us back, I mean, I have an entire page of questions after reading this Associated Press report, and I can run through them for our listeners here in a minute. What do you think is why they're not printing those amazing social media quotes? I think it would keep the story alive because they are social media quotes. And social media does have a tendency to keep stories alive. Yeah, I agree. But here's what's fascinating. They're not printing the quotes, but media organizations are going after the memoirs the manifesto, the journals, all of that stuff. So the press appears to be seeking the information, yet not talking about that information in the strong language of the shooter itself. That's just one of many paradoxes at the heart of this story at this moment. And why I wanted to remind our listeners that this story is still out there. And this very interesting... <sighs> set of contradictions built into who wants the material to come out and who doesn't. <laughs> the, the mainstream press, even the liberal press, working with the conservative press against the Democrats, and meanwhile, Republicans are seeking this to come out in opposition to the requests of this conservative church and school. It's it doesn't make any sense, and I don't think it ever will. Well, there's the shooter's words. One day, this will make more sense. I remain very interested in that day coming to pass. Would you comment just a little bit on what seemed to me, I think in both the Tennessean and in the AP coverage, a pretty careful avoidance of personal pronouns? Well... I'll be glad to run down all the contradictions built into that, but we should discuss a Fox television channel there in Nashville, a very interesting summary of kind of what's going on here, and it would be a perfect illustration of what you just asked. So what do you make of the uh, – I mean, there are a lot of ways that journalists write using a last name, the shooter. There's a lot of ways to do this. Yeah, yeah. But the the whole point here – 
and it, and it relates to the manifesto as well, is that this was a transgender shooter and that the transgender movement has born as its sign of fealty the use of pronouns, and yes. yet the AP and the Tennessean don't use them. And the Associated Press has changed its style book to stress that you must use the name and pronoun used by the person. So we have actual violations of the new journalism gospel according to the Associated Press style book. The Fox 17 story has a great quote, and it's great because of what this illustrates, but this is also from the lawsuit from the Tennessean, et cetera, requesting the release of the information. And this quote from the lawsuit violates something that the transgender movement, the T and LGBTQ plus IA, whatever the rest of them are at this point, this passage from the lawsuit violates their standard, which is that it's a hate crime to refer to the person only by his or her last name. A lot of college professors, when told they must use a student's pronouns, chosen pronouns, they say, what I want to do is treat everyone the same and only refer to students by their last name. And that's in the high court of academia and diversity and equity studies or whatever, that's found to be inadequate and even a form of hatred to do it that way. So with that in mind, listen to this long quote, but I think listeners will find it a helpful summary. In this particular instance, debate has arisen regarding Hale's motivations, goals, planning, and acquisition of firearms while under mental health treatment. For example, did Hale attack a Christian school because of its religious affiliation or because of the conservative views of the denomination of which the Covenant School's sponsoring church is a participating congregation or because Hale hated the school that Hale once attended or because Hale had a grudge against some employee or administrator of the school. What do Hale's autopsy toxicology tests show, and are they connected to the shootings? Boy, that's a loaded question. What do Hale's records show that might be of assistance to the Tennessee special legislative session scheduled to take place in August of 2023? What do these records reveal that may help to avoid school shootings in the future? That reference to the Tennessee special legislative session is the Tennessee legislature wants to consider legislation on ways to make all schools safer. And they're saying the Republicans are, not the Democrats, who normally work with the teachers and teachers unions. They're saying that without the information in these journals, manifesto, suicide letter, etc., they don't have all the information they need from this particular shooting on how to make schools safer. Now, that's a long, fascinating passage from the Tennessean lawsuit, and it's really interesting to me. I wonder, was it conservative press or was it the Tennessean, or who precisely put in the request 
about toxicology because that really gets into the issue of whether Hale had started transitioning to a new gender and whether testosterone or roid rage, as often cited in terms of side effects, may have played some role in this crime. It's amazing to me that that's in that lawsuit and that the Tennessean is a part of that because to me, the Tennessean would be at the top of any list that doesn't want to talk about the trans elements, potential elements of this crime. Terry Mattingly is our guest. He's senior fellow at the Overy Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. We're talking about media coverage of a lawsuit calling for the release of a mass school shooter's manifesto. Stay tuned. I like that we get to talk about these things and we hit it from a different angle, but because we love each other and because we have the same religious views, you know, church is the centerpiece of our lives. Worship is the centerpiece of our lives. Molly Hemingway speaking at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. So when we are just going back and forth on politics, it's really not that important relative to the things that do in, matter. And in all seriousness, if you do not have someone in your life that you both completely trust and regularly engage in arguments with, you're doing it wrong. You can watch and listen to journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway's Q&A and all of the presentations from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a contribution of $300 by Labor Day. We'll send you links to download a podcast or watch a video stream. Order today at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. When you hear the word heresy, what do you think of? Do you think of some ancient debate the church has gotten over and forgotten? Do you think of some stubby old theologians just arguing over things that don't matter? There's a lot more to heresies than you might think. And that's what the August issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about. Heresies, ancient and modern. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Folks, you have until Labor Day to order audio and video recordings of the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference for a donation of $300. We'll send you a link and a password to watch and listen. This year's conference included presentations by journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Pastor Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordilione, and Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Find out more at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. So, Terry, here's the big question. Was this a hate crime? 
And why is that such a powerful and divisive issue? Well, basically, a hate crime is an act against a minority group, an oppressed minority group in American culture that our journalism and legal culture decides is a, has been targeted with hate. And over and over again, we've had people claiming, thus, there was no hate involved. Oh, in like that, the customer who wanted the satanic wedding cake or gender reveal cake or whatever it was in Colorado. No hatred involved in that, even though the Supreme Court said Colorado officials showed hate. Basically, you can't have a hate crime against a group that Yale Law School, Harvard Law School, and the New York Times and NPR don't think is an oppressed minority. At the top of any list of groups that is not a oppressed minority, it would have to be white, conservative Christians, especially if there's any potential that they might have voted for Donald Trump. You can't have a hate crime against people that I guess it's appropriate to hate. That's a strong way of stating it, but that's kind of the logic here. Once again, though, when you get into who wants it considered a hate crime, this is where, once again, questions keep popping up. You have the Tennessean wanting the memoirs out, like I said, and you have the people who want it considered a hate crime wanting the memoirs out to back their case. So there's that strange bedfellows, to use your term a second ago. Then you, you get down into the fact that besides the hate crime issue, you've got a fascinating journalism First Amendment issue here. Normally, journalists would be screaming that public records in a major crime of this sort simply have to come out. The public has a right to know. Originally, though, you had conservatives saying, ah, boy, this is one time, though, when the press is going to kind of write that off and say, no, no, we don't need the documents this time. They were predicting that the Nashville Manifesto, if you go on Twitter or X or whatever it is right now, if you go on that social media site and search for Nashville Manifesto, you will still continue to see lively conversation coming from cultural conservatives saying, oh, no, 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 they're not going to let this come out. And they have all kinds of conspiracy theories for why the hated liberals will not let this come out. And they, they see this joining a list of strange historic mysteries that includes the assassination of John F. Kennedy and why those documents, people are still arguing about whether they should ever come out, the assassination of RFK and the discussions now by the canceled Democratic candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about the assassination of his father. Then you have, well, why did that shooter fire out the windows in Las Vegas and why have we never heard a motive in that case? Or here's another question. Who funded Antifa? Who rented all the vans? Who bought all that stuff? Who organized the illegal riots at night during that 
summer of alleged burning buildings and legal demonstrations during the day and illegal attacks and demonstrations at night. And also don't forget, whatever happened to the Jeffrey Epstein client list? That's another thing. And the Nashville Manifesto is now in that list of mysterious things that people allegedly are linked to media bias and to liberal bias. And that gets you into the area of conspiracy theories about all of this, which then leads to a fascinating quote from the Associated Press story that don't forget that many, notice many but not all, many of the school's parents want these records kept private and the Covenant School and the church wants these materials kept private. And there's a quote from one of the mothers, I do not believe there was any motivation other than a desire for death. And there is nothing that could ever make the horrible act of killing children make sense. The public release of these writings will not prevent the next attack. There is nothing in the journals to satisfy the yearning, overactive minds of the conspiracy theorist. Now that's coming from a mother on the culturally conservative side of this, who also, by the way, stressed that she hasn't seen the documents. She hasn't seen the documents, but she believes there's nothing in them that would help legislators or would help, quote unquote, the conspiracy theorists. (laughs) This is just so complex, and none of the usual suspects are lined up with their normal bedfellows and usual suspects. It's, It's a fascinating case, and I'm convinced this could end up going to the U.S. Supreme Court unless the police say the police say they can't release the documents until the investigation is completed. So does that mean that like the Jeffrey Epstein case, the investigation will never be completed? Is that going to be the card that gets played here? If that's the case, I think this will head to the Supreme Court one way or another. So, I want to pick up on something you just said there, because one of those parents did mention a conspiracy theory, and you asked the question, how would we know? Because we haven't seen the documents, and neither has the the parent in question. So she's assuming that somehow it will either fuel or somehow add to conspiracy theories. Shouldn't part of journalism's task, good journalism's task, to answer that question? Yes. I mean, and, and don't forget the original statements from the police. The school was targeted. The shooter was a former student at the school. The shooter has rainbow flags and things all hanging around in the shooter's bedroom. The parents, though, are conservative Christians who sent the shooter to that school, and the police originally said the shooter was mad at being having been made to go to the school. Now, that doesn't sound like death was the only thing involved here, a willingness to kill people. The shooter could have gone to a mall, could have gone to any other school. There's been some discussion of other potential sites for shootings and that the shooter didn't go there because security might have been higher. Well, how do we know that? Presumably that's in the manifestos or something. We don't know. But I'll bring up one thing from the earlier podcast because everything I read 
keeps pointing back to this because this would be a valid reason for the police to be silent at this moment. Did the shooter make accusations of some sort of illegal activity or crime on the part of the school, the church, or parents? That's a terrible question to have to ask, but it would be a valid legal reason to not have released the materials because in some cases you may be having people who can no longer speak for themselves. Or, 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 let me stress this. Did the shooter say that the school or her slash his parents made her go to conversion therapy sessions, which is something that isn't illegal. I don't believe it's illegal in Tennessee. It certainly would not have been at that time. And is that considered a hot enough subject that the police don't want that accusation made public until they have had a, some further chance to go on to investigate this and maybe even conspiracy theory alert here, maybe even never complete an investigation because the issues made are just simply too volatile. And once again, I believe that if this goes on and on and on and no resolution, I think you will see the Tennessean, Fox News, other journalists, you will see people take this up through the courts. And I predict it could go all the way to the Supreme Court because we don't have a national law on this subject. Or could maybe, let's say, the Republicans take the Senate and control the House and the Senate. Could Republicans attempt to create a national law on when records related to mass shooting should be made public? That would be another interesting political wrinkle in this story, as if we needed more. With about a minute here, you said you had a quick list of questions that the AP yeah. story raised for you. With about a minute, go through the most important ones. I think I just ran through them all, to be honest with you. Why does the LGBTQ activists, why do they want it buried? Yet that puts them on the side of the church. That was a question. The press is on the same, is opposing the Democrats? Since when? That's a question. Can you have a hate crime when the victims are white Christian Protestants? That's one. Is this a First Amendment issue that ultimately will go to the Supreme Court? And at the end, did it have something to do with conversion therapy attempts or something else? Maybe even what the shooter viewed as a crime that is in the documents, and that's why the police don't want to make it public until they're through with their investigation. Questions, questions, questions. But I recommend this Associated Press story, which of course will be in the Get Religion link when I put up a post about this. I do recommend that our listeners check out this Associated Press story. It's a confusing story, but it's confusing for all the right reasons. It's a report they will want to see. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you. 
Glad to be here. We'll get into listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line on the other side of the break. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. And the comment line, 618-223-8382. So that whole Old Testament, then even the New Testament, can be seen as like, where is this promised child? Dr. Adam Philippic, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for July, Life in Christ, Rooted, Woven, and Grafted into God's Story. Who's going to crush the head of the serpent and give us back the very presence of God, that land that we dwelt with God in, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, no death, but in his presence permanently. Learn more about Life in Christ at issuesetc.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Talk radio for the thinking Christian. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.